This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Therapy Online. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com AMR today to get 10% off your first month. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm delighted to be joined today by Ellison Wiest. Hello, my friend. How are you? I am so, so, so good. And it's great to hear your voice, Sarah. Oh, thank you. Right back at you. So what are you reading these days, book bully? Okay. Well, I just finished. Well, I finished it a couple of weeks ago and now Carl is reading it, my husband. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's a book of connected short stories called If I Survive You by Mm -hmm. the debut author, Jonathan Escafry, E-S-C-O-F-F-E-R-Y. And one reason I was anxious to read it is it is on the short list for this year's Booker Prize Mm. uh, for a debut. That's quite an accomplishment. I would just about to say the same thing. Very impressive. Yes, very. And it essentially talks about a family who is immigrated from Jamaica and they're living down in Florida. And it takes him from about the time or our main character from about the time that he's a young boy moving forward, probably about uh, 20 years. And like I said, the stories are connected. Very interesting the way that he sort of talks about being uh, a stranger in this land, but also being assimilated and how that affects each member of his family and, you know, how he is looked upon by different people of different races. And so it's just very well done. I can understand why it was nominated. And I think it will appeal to a wide variety of folks. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. All right. So you finished that a few weeks ago. Then what did right. you jump into? Well, now you can't ask me this question because you've got to remember that we're doing the winter oh, yes. <laughs> reading. Yeah. So you, it my lips to remain behind the veil. Uh-huh. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Uh, all I can There's say. There's an embargo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's right. There is an embargo on me, sort of like the Madonna biography. But uh, <laughs> I did oh. not hear that there was an embargo on that biography. That 800 plus page biography. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I started thinking about that. And then I think there's another one that's like 900 pages, but I'm completely blanking on wow. what it was. But uh, wow. yeah, there are a lot of celebrity bi- uh, biographies out. I mean, mm. you know, the Fonz, Henry Winkler. Oh, yes, I saw that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, John Stamos. Really? So Yes. Yeah, that's kind of that. I'm, I'm glad your reaction mirrors mine. Can you hear me scratching my head? Yeah. <laughs> yeah apologies to all those Full House fans out there. Right. I think maybe it's a Full House tell all. That's really what oh, it is. Yeah. Okay. Mm, could be. Knows? It could be. Wow. Yeah. Goodness. Yeah. yeah, no, I listened to an interview on the New York Times book review podcast with the author of the Madonna I biography. did too. I did too. And I didn't realize she never spoke to her. 
Right. I thought that was very interesting. I also thought it was very interesting how she had written about artists, women artists in the 1950s, and how she kind of approached the uh, Madonna project in the same way as a female artist. And just she, because she didn't get to speak to her, kind of approached it the same way she would a subject who was no longer living. Right. And that she found doing uh, the bios of the different artists, I believe there were five of them, she found Mm -hmm. that much easier Mm -hmm. than doing a book on one person. So. Yeah. It made me then totally listen to This Is Madonna playlist on Spotify. Oh, yes. I've I've been had Madonna in heavy (laughs) rotation lately. Yeah. 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 Lots of dancing in my house. Yeah. Woo. Okay. (laughs) All right. Good. Good. Well, what's this I hear about you uh, running a quarter marathon? I know. Uh, I will say that I have been misspeaking because I've been saying that this quarter marathon that I'm doing on November 5th on Hilton Head Island as part of our retreat, I had thought that that was the first race I'd done since right before pandemic lockdown. And then the other day, I was putting on my shoes, putting on my topos, and I looked at them and I was like, wait, and this memory started coming back to me about (laughs) how I coordinated my topo phantoms with my outfit for a race. And I'm like, that was more recently than, than, <laughs> oh, than no. you know, March 1st, 2020. So I, I completely spaced that I did. A, I did a half marathon as a team with Trisha, my occasional running partner right. and, out in Hood River. So east of Portland and poor Trisha, she got the complete uphill. <laughs> Oh, and and then so I got this lovely downhill. There were two climbs in mine, but but I mean, hers was just as I was running it, I was like basically saying, like, I'm sorry, Trisha, I'm sorry, Trisha. (laughs) That was your mantra. (laughs) So I did that. So I did that quarter marathon. So that's kind of my new my new jam is quarter marathon. So I I did that in October of 2021. So it will have been a little over two years since my last race. So, but oh my goodness, I looked up the winning times from this November 5th race. I looked it up last year's times and I was like, oh, maybe, you know, I have a chance to place in my age group. Oh no, a woman <laughs> from my age group came in third overall. <gasps> oh my word. Oh Yeah, boy. I think her time was at 48 minutes. Oh something. wow. Yeah. Wow. So if she's back, I don't stand a chance. So so I'm aiming for t- maybe top five in my age group. Yeah. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. We'll see. Wow. We'll see. Okay. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, today we are talking about the Selma to Montgomery Relay and Bike Ride, a 51-mile relay race and bike ride that retraces the path that civil rights champions tread in 1965 to secure voting rights for Black Americans. The race is part of the Civil Rights Race Series, and it takes place on March 16 of 2024. We'll be talking to race director and two relay participants, and woven into our conversation will be reasons why inclusion and representation matters. Our first guest is Virgil Chames, the third race director of the Selma to Montgomery Relay and Bike Ride. Thanks so much for joining us, Virgil. Thank you for having me. Hey, Virgil, it's Ellison. And I wanted to ask, how did you get involved with the race and have you ever participated in it? Okay, no, I I have never participated in it. Uh, The team and I, uh, we actually ran uh, the, the the 51 with 54 miles uh, mm-hmm. when we initially started to think about putting on the event. Uh, mm-hmm. We started out as a running club 
and we wanted to do something a little more intentional. So uh, during that time, it was the March time frame about nine years ago. And we said it would be kind of cool to run across the Edmund Pettus Bridge. Mm. And so from there, uh, we started thinking, well, the Edmund Pettus Bridge is only a short distance. Uh, what could we do? And so uh, one of the team members, there are five of us, uh, said, well, why don't we run to Montgomery uh, as a relay? Uh, because, you know, not many people can run 54 miles. Right. And so the relay concept uh, came into fruition. Uh, as I said, we we started out, we, we uh, did the initial run to see what it felt like so that we could market it well. And uh, the rest is history. We, we've uh, This is our seventh iteration of the event, uh, wow. and it's been going well. That's wonderful. Well, can you also sort of describe what the race organizers hope to accomplish with the event? Because it's so obvious that it's different from other relay events. Okay. So, you know, as a part of the Civil Rights Race Series, we have three tenets. First, to tell the history. We want folk because none of us were alive when any of these events happened. So first of all, we want to tell the story of what happened in this component of American history. We mm-hmm. go around the country, but specifically Selma to Montgomery. What happened in 1965? What what made the event happen? You know, what were the conditions that the folks that participated, you know, went through? And, and what were, you know, what was the result of this particular event? The second thing, we want to espouse health and wellness uh, because mm-hmm. we know health is wealth. And so for each of our participants and each of the folks that view our event, we want to espouse fitness, both running and cycling, as a component of longevity. So we talk, you know, in our race expo, in our event, how this thing is a component of wellness and longevity. And the third component is we try to be really intentional with uh you know, our financial contributions. You know, economic development is our third tenet. So we're intentional in identifying organizations and entities that first were around back then and right. second that feed the community now, you know, mm-hmm. in, in in this present day. So a portion of our race proceeds in every event, but specifically Selma to Montgomery, go to those entities that are still there, that are still in the fight. And and we want to be different. That's how we are different, because we are supporting those that supported us years ago or supported, you know, our forefathers years ago. I love that. That is amazing. I mean, each one of those tenants is fantastic and so important. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's the overall vibe of the relay? I can only imagine that feels much more profound than a typical weekend sporting event. Yeah. So, you know, what we've evolved into is a destination type of event. Most of our athletes are in uh, the Selma to Montgomery area about four days. So mm. they get deeply involved in the culture from organized trips, you know, visits to various museums, visits mm. to the various stops that the marchers made, uh, we tried to get them thoroughly uh, engulfed into the culture. And then on race day and on actual packet pickup, it's a party. It's a big Mm -hmm. coming together of communities uh, where we have a good time. We, you know, we, we party with a purpose, so to speak. You know, our, the vibe, you know, <laughs> as a, a packet pickup is, is lively 
and at the start of the race is extremely lively. We have a DJ and you'll see people dancing and people really excited <laughs> at 5 a.m. in the morning to run these hills <laughs> in between Selma and Montgomery. And so we try to have, you know, it really loose. Uh, at the end of the race, we have a uh, mini party and folks just love it. So it, it's totally different from anything that I experienced or the team experienced in our, you know, many years of running and cycling. Mm-hmm. So I find it intriguing that the Selma to Montgomery relay can be done by teams of various sizes with as many as nine people, or even as a solo ultra event, as you say, you know, there aren't a ton of people who can run uh, 50 plus miles. But talk to us about how that works, including what's the most common team size. Okay, so the most common team size is the, the full nine member relay team, or mm-hmm. a single cyclist. So it's a, a running and cycling event. Mm-hmm. So it's mostly nine members because we have nine legs of various lengths. And so uh, most of our participants, not many are ultra marathoners. So they select the legs that they're interested in. Some people uh, have smaller teams. And what happens with those smaller teams, be it seven, five, three, or one, they will run multiple legs. Mm-hmm. You know, mechanics, just like any other relay, we have the timed armbands that will go to the active runner. The participants are in vans or other vehicles that transport them from one exchange point to the other. Uh, Because this is a live public highway, we have support from all of the public service entities in each of those three counties to include uh, the state troopers to ensure the safety of our participants. At each of the exchange points, and water stations. We'll have some of our volunteers. Uh, we'll have some literature about that particular stop because most of the exchange points are historical in nature. They have, they may have been uh, one of the rest stops for the initial marchers, or they mm. may have been a church or something that played a significant had a significant contribution to the Seven of Montgomery event or civil rights in general. Uh, but they will go through those nine exchange points and at the, the steps of the state capitol where we'll have that DJ again there doing that thing. We'll have, you know, the timing and, um, you know, it's, it's just a big party. Virgil, you are psychic because you have answered a couple of questions that I had about <laughs> aid stations and also about spots along the way. Now, I will confess to you that my church is thinking about doing it in 2025. So I've been getting some questions and I see that each team has 12 hours from their start time to cover the 51 miles. And I believe, tell me if I'm wrong, that that works out running to about, you got to be able to run under a 14 minute mile. Is that correct? That is correct. And we don't have any of our full nine person teams that don't Mm -hmm. make that 12 hour. Some of our ultra runners, those single Runners right. sometimes right. have issues with those 12 hours, but uh, we have uh, all of our vehicles in the end that will surely pick anyone up, or if there are any issues, they'll be there. We have a full complement of uh, EMTs, you know, medics along the route to ensure the safety of any of our athletes as they're out there. Okay, mm-hmm. good. I will pass on the word. Yeah, yes, yeah. And and how much spectator support is there along the way? I mean, is there a sense that the residents of these towns that you're running through have an understanding of what's going on? 
Yes, we tried to, in advance of the event, inform the community uh, of what's going on. Because we cover, you know, 51 miles in this iteration, we started with 54. I think at the uh, beginning of this call, I I mentioned 54 Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. the march was 54 miles. We modified uh, the route to 51 miles just so we start in a straight line. We started on, uh, (laughs) uh, you know, some other streets and we had some issues, you know, initially Mm -hmm. in our first few years. So we modified it. But on those 51 miles, there are a lot of rural highways. And so people don't inhabit those areas. So Mm. some of the space is just the runners and their teams and uh, public safety personnel that'll be out there. But when we get into the more populated areas, you know, there are people that cheer. Mm -hmm. Uh, We also have volunteers that sprinkle throughout the route that cheer on our participants. Some are just there for athlete support as they get into uh, the more urban areas. Mm-hmm. So I know the relay is a national meetup for many running and cycling groups, including Black Girls Run, Black Men Run, Black Runners Connection, Black Girls Do Bike, and others. Can you please talk about the emotional and psychological importance of an event like this to BIPOC athletes in the overly white world of running and cycling? Yes. You know, when the founders of this event put this event together, we wanted to be really intentional with something that meant something to the BIPOC community. Mm-hmm. And so when we started the event, we started it individually as just the Civil Rights Race Series. But we understood after a couple of years, there are other organizations that have a desire uh, to spread the word and to participate in something that has such a meaning to our community. And so that's when the Black Girls Run, Black Men Run, et cetera, came into being because we feel that we want to do something really, you know, that means something to us, but not exclusively for us. You know, Mm -hmm. this has been an extremely diverse, you know, series of events from its inception. So you don't have to be a part of the BIPOC community because this is American history to participate but it has a significance specifically to the BIPOC community because we can see what our forefathers went through in less than technical attire, going 54 <laughs> plus miles. You know, I can't imagine in a suit and, you know, some hard bottom shoes doing 54 mm, miles. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't mm-hmm. see that. Yeah. You know, and, and so each of our members have, you know, that moment of reflection. And mm-hmm. as you talk to a couple of our participants, you'll hear that moment of reflection coming across the Edmund Pettus Bridge and recalling mm-hmm. through pictures what happened on that bridge or going down you know, Highway 80 and reflecting on some of the markers that are there. Because some of the markers talk about lynchings and folk that were killed along that route. And so to go and stand in the steps of those, those giants, you know, I think is therapeutic a lot. You know, and and it touches a lot of folk. If you could see some of our participants actually weeping as they get into that area, because now they can feel those ancestors and what they went through. And Mm -hmm. and so, you know, I think we have been really intentional in our programming for this event uh, and, and, you know, encouraging, you know, our participants to understand what this thing was. uh, But more importantly, to understand, you know, why we need to have events like this so that we can recall. And not forget, we need to recall, you know. Yeah. yeah. And so that that's really it. 
Mm-hmm. I love that it, that it's important to us, but not exclusive to us when referring to the BIPOC community. So that was uh, very moving. Thank you. Well, Virgil, thank you so much for joining us. And we wish you so much luck next March with the race. Thank you so much. Thank you, Virgil. I have a good one. Well, it's time to hear from the brands that let us bring you this free content. Please support them like they support us. When we come back, we'll talk with two women who've done the Selma to Montgomery Relay. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp Therapy Online. For 10% off your first month, go to betterhelp.com slash AMR. This weekend, I'm running a quarter marathon, and I'm hoping my legs can run as fast as my mind sometimes races in the middle of the night. Oof. The other night, I lost a solid hour of sleep fretting over a comment I made to my brother in an email. And don't even get me started on how many hours I've lost worrying about my kids or work deadlines. One effective way to make those racing thoughts slow down and dissipate is to talk through them. Therapy gives you a chance to do that so you can get out of your negative thought cycles and find some mental and emotional peace. This is just one of the many reasons I've decided to resume therapy. Talking about my concerns and emotions is the best way to still my hamster wheel thoughts. If you're thinking about starting or resuming therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, making it convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get a break from your thoughts with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash AMR today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash AMR. Now we're joined by Natalie Cully, a model and voiceover actor and mom of five, including two sets of twins. I'll let you all digest that for a second. Uh, Natalie ran Selma to Montgomery Relay last year. Thanks for joining us, Natalie. Hi, I actually ran it this year. Oh, okay, it was right. My, my first right. time participating in the relay and the event. And yeah, oh, that was that was just a few months ago. Years yes. flying by, though. Oh my oh, god, wow. yeah, yeah, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about your running background, Natalie. You said it was your first relay race. How did you come to that? Oh, man. Uh, Basically, I married a lunatic and I've been running all kinds of... (laughs) I married this man and now I'm running alongside a freeway. Um, No, I started running in 2007 because I had my second set of twins and was a little bit losing my mind. So that's how I came to start running. And actually, my first race was a full marathon. And so over time, I've been kind of backpedaling and doing the smaller things and and, and venturing out to different parts of running. So this year was uh, my first relay. It was my first time doing a a chipped 5K and a chipped 10K race. And Mm. but basically, I ended up in a relay because I I know a very adventurous man that I run with. And, um, (laughs) you know, that peer pressure, you know. So, yeah. So. We need before we start talking about the relay more. We do need to hear about how you connected to this man who is now your husband. It's running related. Give us the it brief is. version because I I saw it on Instagram and I know it involves a marathon. <laughs> well, I was briefly running marketing for a running app, and he's a big part of the BIPOC running community as he's co-founder of Black Runners Connection, and. He sent me a, a message on Instagram saying he was going to be in the area. Did I have any run groups going? And so I thought it was a good opportunity to like, you know, 
get involved with him as far as app goes. We ended up meeting up for the shakeout run. And uh, and it, it turned into like an eight-hour lunch where they kept changing the staff at the dining table. <laughs> and so we were going back and forth between personal conversation and, and keeping it about running because I really thought I was working my job here. I think I might have been reimbursed gas for entertaining Stan <laughs> that day. But um, I didn't know he had romantic interests. So uh, he was like, well, what are you doing running-wise? And I told him I had taken a big break from running full marathons. I had moved over to half marathons. So I was telling him I was running with this company and they're, you know, taking care of me to run this marathon for the first time in 10 years. And I was like, you should come pace me. And he was like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I knew him for a few hours. He was like, I'll do it. I'll seriously do it. And that is the story of us. And he's been my (laughs) lunatic runner that's been down and um, getting me to to be adventurous in my running too. So yeah, the first time we ran together was like six miles, second time 14. And then we're running a full marathon in Utah just a couple of months after meeting. So I guess we're both oh loony. Oh, yeah, I'd say so. Oh, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess we've got to turn it back to the topic at hand, although I love that. So tell us, tell me uh, how many people were on your Selma to Montgomery team and then which number runner were you? So we had a team of five. There was going to be six of us uh, last minute. Some changes took place. So we had a team of five and we got to select our leg. So I ran the first leg and then I think I want to say the third or fourth. Right. Not 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 entirely sure on the second one, but uh, I ran the first leg across the bridge. So uh, because we were a team of five, some people ran twice, some people ran once. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. yeah, yeah, I noticed that on Instagram there's a photo of you standing in front of the Edmund Pettus Bridge, which yeah. was the site of of that brutal, bloody Sunday beatings bloody Sunday. of civil rights marchers, including John Lewis, who is my hero. Um, did you get to? So you did get to run across it. That was Bridge? yeah. That was the start oh. line. That was the first leg was to run across that. Wow! It was it's such a very big moment. And, you know, I talked to the team and we're like, well, you know, do you want to, what, what do you want us to, as far as supporting goes? And it's just like, I think it would be really cool if we ran the bridge part as a team. So mm. our, my whole team was at the start line to run across the bridge. Oh, and wow. then they got out of the way of, you know, the rest of the, you know, just kind of veered off to the side. And when the the area was clear, got back to the the van and then, you know, followed me along to cheer. But it was important to share that big moment. You know, I know it was the the runner that was supposed to take it on, but I just like, you got to give everybody a piece, a piece of that big history, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Great idea. Thank you. I can't imagine that you all were the only team that did that. Or do you think you were? I I think we might have been. I think we might have been because, you know, there wasn't... Too many other teams that like veered off. I think because this is, as Virgil said, like a lot of the the freeway and, and rural area. There's not a lot of spectator support, mm-hmm. so I think the rush is to see your runner start the start mm-hmm. line and hurry up to your van, so you can be alongside them at some point mm-hmm. and cheer them on. And you're not the only vans on the road at that point, so I think that there's. This need to hurry up and get to your car so you can see your runner once they hit that, you know, the highway. So mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. we might have been the only team to do that. Only because the 
the start line look, looked a little thin. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Okay. So, all right. So this was your first relay race, but, but tell us what the feeling, the glimmer, a word that I picked up from your Instagram account um, of this relay is. The glimmer. Mm-hmm. Um, man. So uh, I'm, was born in Memphis, Tennessee, and I have a lot of family that's been a part of of this history that we're now learning to its full extent and participating in. So to run across areas that I've seen them photographed marching in is overwhelming. So a uh, glimmer for me is to have the opportunity to do that something like that in peace and in solitude. You know, when you're running, you have this you time and this peace and you're it's a sunrise run and no one's out there and you get to enjoy just the feel of it and the excitement of it but you don't have these starts on your life you know so it's it's overwhelming to be grateful and then also hurt for something that already happened you know so mm. Mm. okay pause to mop up um in your instagram feed uh, you wrote that you'd never done a race with so many runners of color so how did that affect the feel of the event for you it's true i've i'm so i'm one of i'm one of those runners that's attempting to not attempting to going to run you know in the 50 states and in various providences and countries i enjoy running all over the place and it's all too often i don't see men or women of color where I stand at a start line or a finish line or bid pickup. Mm-hmm. So uh, as Virgil mes- mentioned, the beginning of the race is a party. It is a celebration of being a majority and not a minority for mm-hmm. me. That's a celebration for me. I don't, want, I don't know if that's the goal for the the race because it's very inclusive, but to have um, music playing and see similar faces and the running community that you love and support online and the few runners of color that you've met through various races, it was a family reunion. I got to see people that I didn't know was going to be there, whether they were supporting, being a driver, being a runner. It was almost every, you know, couple of minutes being tapped ah, on the shoulder and just, oh, my God, and take a picture. And, you know, it's, it's just so rare to have that moment. It's a very big family reunion and it's very big comfort of seeing people like you. It was it was overwhelming. And it's just like a who's who and introducing everybody. And just like the big world became smaller. So was, mm. that was a very big deal for me. It was such a great experience as a woman of color. It's just as a runner. It's just, I you know, it wasn't until I think 2021 that it was finally even in a run group that had a, a, the majority people of color have always been the black girl. Mm-hmm. So... Just to see the the representation and the build of the community and seeing more people of color getting to running and to supporting it. It's just every time it's just like, wow, look at how far we've come. And being that, you know, this race is of this significance, it's, it's like, can you see how far we come as a people, but also as an athlete and as a running community? It's just a very big celebration. It's pretty overwhelming mm. and really awesome. Really mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. So the medal reveal, when you open up the medal on Instagram, that's, it's pretty dang amazing. So share that with us, please. It is incredible. It's a heavy, gorgeous medal. As a, as a runner, I think you look at medals, you're like, wow, my first 
LA, well, my only marathon, LA marathon, my first marathon race, it looked like it had chocolate in the middle. It was like a Dollar Tree looking. This is the LA marathon. This is like to show you how far medals have come since 2008. And I'm telling you, I could bite it and it's got like a chocolate, I swear. And this is this big, gorgeous, heavy metal that opens up and has a, you know, has the two photos in there. And it was just overwhelming that the metal that was so gorgeous to begin with when you open it up had even more beauty in it. And, you know, it, and it had some writing on the back. It was just, it was so intentional. That's got to be the coolest medal I've ever had. And um, being that I ran not only, you know, in my relay group, but also I was one of those black running communities that was supporting there. I ran with Team Takedown. Hmm. And so uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Team Takedown, no, but I'm not they're a running collective of color from all over. And we go to various places that don't look like us and kind of like, you know, show up. Uh, for one, we did Alaska on Juneteenth weekend and it was like 300 mm. people of wow. color. We were Juneteenth and we were the majority of that race. And we got mm. to be in a place that we probably wouldn't have otherwise traveled to because we know no one looks like us. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, I was part and part of that collective, so I got a, a double medal. So it's like we got a smaller version of that too that was specified to that team, which was mm. really cool. So I was just like, got to see it on these two levels. I'm like, oh, it's a gorgeous medal. Whoever designed oh. that, just it's amazing. Yeah. Mm. Oh my god! It's like a beautiful keepsake for your home too when you open it up. It's so oh, yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. Mm. Fantastic. And I take it you're doing the the relay again next year. <laughs> I do not know. I don't know. I have the most amazing experience, but I'm also one of the runners that don't usually run the same race twice because there's so many things to do and see. I got that sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, my husband is like, ran Chicago three times and New York seven. And and I'm like, I've seen that race. So I I don't know. I'm interested in going. I don't know to what capacity. If I'd be a runner, a driver, someone to cheer it on. It's it's definitely on the calendar, but I, I haven't. It decided at what capacity I'm going to be at that race. Yeah. Well, it was lovely talking with you, Natalie. Thank you. It was. Thanks, Natalie. Thanks for, you. Thanks for having me. And thanks for like checking out my Instagram. You guys did your homework. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep watching you. <laughs> Have a good one. Thank All you. Right. Thanks. Bye. Our final guest is Felicia White, a program analyst in Brandywine, Maryland, and the mother of a grown daughter. Welcome to the show, Felicia. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, you have quite the running pedigree, Felicia. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got started? So I got started. My daughter was actually entering into her college years, and you know I was going to be an empty nester. And I noticed over the years, just being such a busy mom, not really taking care of my health and wellness. And so a friend of mine told me about a running group and said, hey, you'd like to come out for a run. This was in 2012. And I kind of put it off and told her, oh, not right now. And so then a couple of months later, she asked again and I came out for a run and then I enjoyed just having the camaraderie and the people around and kept going out week after week for runs. And then it shut off and some of the ladies were signing up for races. I was a little nervous initially. Uh, And so I would do a few 5Ks, you know, 10K races, and then finally signed up for my first half marathon that year uh, in 2012. 
Uh, of course, it got I got it, it was canceled, and so I was a little distraught about that. Uh, so I scheduled another one the end of 2012, which was in December of 2012. And so I ran my first half marathon. I think in January of that next year, I find myself wanting to do more. And uh, I think by the third or fourth, I realized I was running in different states. And then I came up with this idea to run a half marathon in every state of the United States. Wow. Wow. And so there you have it. That's what started. And not to mention, you know, I saw myself gaining a little weight and I was looking at how uh, the running was making me feel and, you know, the pounds were coming off. And it was just really exciting to see that transformation. I was feeling good about myself. And so hence, uh, that's where I landed into the running. Man. And so you've completed, like you said, a half marathon at all 50 states plus D.C. I have. But you've also, you've also completed all of the world marathon ma- majors? I have. Oh, I have. Wow. Yeah. yeah it's, <laughs> it's been an exciting journey. It's something yes. that I can talk about. It's definitely a conversation piece for many. Mm-hmm. I mean, in not much time, in, in 11 years of running. Yeah. So I finished the 50 states. Uh, I finished in 2016. So oh when my I, goodness. yes, I did it in three and a half years. Oh, you tick those uh, off. Uh-huh. I was, I was traveling every weekend. It's like, I was just going. Uh, and I, and I, flew, I, I flew most places. I think I may have driven maybe three or four states that were nearby, like Delaware, near, nearby my area. But for the most mm-hmm. part, a lot of flights, a lot of mileage, mm-hmm. which was great. And then mm-hmm. as I was finishing up. I was doing a few marathons with, you know, in between and uh, realized what my next goal was going to be. And then I said, you know what? I want to conquer all of the major marathons. Wow. Mm. <laughs> all right. So you've established that you are a prolific race participant. So so what prompted you, Felicia, to do the Selma to Montgomery relay? And had you ever run a relay before? So I've been, I've done Ragnar relays before. Mm-hmm. but had never done Selma. I think what prompted me for uh, the Selma to Montgomery relay is the significance of what it stood for. You know, the civil rights movement and the protests from 1965. And uh, when the race directors put this on, the initial one, I was running a couple of races and my scheduling was conflicting and there was so much going on. I said, I got to get down there. And so finally got down there to run the race and it was just it was just a powerful movement, you know, to raise awareness where we have evolved from 1965 to now to actually myself to run the freeway in the same area where Dr. Martin Luther King led that civil rights movement and that walk. So it was just so meaningful to do that and be a part of that. Mm. Wow. Well, Tell us about the team that you were a part of, um, and how did you guys find each other to form it? So I, because I've been in the running community for many years, I have uh, quite a few ladies whom, you know, I I run with, and uh, our team name is Swipe Left Delete. (laughs) 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 Um, You know, we wanted a fun name, and that's what we came up with. We didn't have a full what, a uh, nine-man team. There were uh, six of us and we took it upon the challenge. And some of the ladies ran two legs and 
you know, two or three legs. Mm-hmm. Two of the ladies ran two legs here and there. And so these are friends that I've met along the along the way in my running journey. One in particular ran the 50 states already as well. Mm-hmm. And some of the other ladies are still on their journey. Wow. Ultra marathoners. So these are these are people that I know that are in the community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what did it feel like to run along the National Historic Trail? Like were thoughts of history and struggle swirling in your head as you pushed yourself? Absolutely. Because it was it's different. So it's not like there was a lot of scenery out there. So it mm-hmm. it definitely made you think, you know, and just you had I had so many thoughts in my mind as I'm running along uh, that highway, you know, and at one point, you know, you'll think to yourself, am I crazy for running out here? Or what are people thinking, you know, <laughs> as they're seeing us, but deep down in my heart and inside, it felt great. It felt great to know that there was strength in this. I felt delivered. It was more empowerment that we had evolved from 1965 to now from the March that took, you know, I think three to four days for them to do that walk and to now run it in a relay and, you know, to just unity and then to actually get to the Capitol and rejoice with my teammates and, and others that had completed that to say, we did this, you know, and to look back and be so thankful for those that went before me who paved the way to allow us, you know, some of those freedoms. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like such a powerful experience. And I'm wondering, Felicia, if there was one point during that, and I know that's that's a lot to ask, but was there any one point that really sort of stands out to you as you traverse the trail? So you said one. I was going to give you two. Okay. So no, we can take two. We'll take we'll two. Take, yeah. okay. We'll take it. The start of it, mm-hmm. seeing so many people out there who came out there for, you know, on one accord uh, for the same purpose to partake in such a uh, amazing race, whether they were biking and or running. So that along and then to see the bridge there at the start uh, Mm. where they started, that was very significant. And the finish. So the finish to say, wow, to realize because, of course, me being a relay, I didn't run the entire 51 miles. Uh, you know, my teammates did some of the mileage as well. So to be at the finish, seeing one of my teammates come in, say, wow. And it took us you know, pretty much quite a few hours to do this. Uh, we placed pretty well, even though we weren't you know, focused on the placing of it. Mm-hmm. To be at that capital to say, wow, this is where they ended. And this is where they stood for justice, you know, mm-hmm. uh, for the the need for voters registration. They, 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 it was so significant for them to take that walk from start to finish. So uh, the start and the finish, I would say for sure. Mm-hmm. So you've done races all over the country and in several other countries. So how did this relay feel different than many of those races, especially in terms of the racial composition of the race field? Um, it felt really good. One in particular as I've traveled all over the world for races, as you said, in different countries, we as African-Americans are few and far in between. You don't see a lot of us at races. There could be, but we're the minority at races. Um, You look around (laughs) and to see this race and see so many of us doing it just felt great. Whether they were fast or slow or walking or 
you know, uh, running or bike riding just to know the purpose and the history behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what was your greatest takeaway from this event, would you say? <sighs> the greatest takeaway uh, from doing this is more so thanking those that paved the way before me, because not only did they march those mileage for the rights of the voters registration for African-Americans, they had a significant impact on me and my culture, realizing that they did this for us. You know, this wasn't easy. And to now, you know, look at life overall now, just realizing how blessed we are and thankful and grateful for those who, who've gone before me. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well said. Mm. And and what race is next on your list, Felicia? Oh, what race is next? So currently, well, of course, uh, March is my next race. Mm-hmm. The Selma Montgomery. Oh, good. Oh, good. That is oh, actually my next race. I've been looking because I'm like, okay, it's race season, it's fall. Um, so I've been running on the treadmill a lot lately, you know, because I mm. had injured my knee at one point. So I don't run outside mm. as much unless it's a race, you know, on the hard concrete sometimes. But that's the next one mm-hmm. scheduled. But I have been looking uh, last week. Maybe I should do a race. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, whatever you do, you'll do it well. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Much appreciate it. Yeah, it was great talking with you, Felicia. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you. Thank you all very much. Hmm. Allison, so your church is planning on possibly putting together a team for this in 2025? That's what we're talking about, yes. Uh, I have a walking group that I go out with from my church two days a week, two mornings, early mornings Mm -hmm. a week. And Mm -hmm. I mentioned it to them and several of the people were like, oh, yeah. One of them is count me in. Uh, another one says she thinks she knows a couple of people that might join us. We have a new priest coming on board who's a baby. He's in his mid-30s and he's a runner. <laughs> oh. So I mentioned it to him and he was like, ooh, sounds like a plan. So I'm hoping oh, I'd love to be there for the 60th anniversary. Oh, so that's in 2025. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So you are the driver behind all this. I love it, Allison. <laughs> well, I tell you, when I uh, the, one of the reasons I asked Virgil about the 14 minute. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> I'm like uh, self interest yeah, at, yeah, at work a little there. bit, a little bit. <laughs> I confess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh goodness. Okay. So, well, I'm. I really appreciate you getting this on my radar. It was a comment that you said. Um, either the last episode you're on or maybe the one before that. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, so, yeah. So thank you for that impetus. So, all right, folks. So I would love if you would peruse our Mother Runner store, including just added this. Um, actually, I guess we're adding it next week. A black puffer vest. Really cute. A special sale of $60 when it first goes on the site has our cute little line drawing of a shoe and underneath it says another mother runner that's on the left chest in kind of aqua blue embroidery it's great for running and running errands as well so check that out at anothermotherrunner.com click on store in our top navigation again anothermotherrunner.com our podcast today was produced in st paul minnesota by barry medore from fire on the bluff
let's check your sound before I do the the little ad break. Um, tell right. tell us what you had for breakfast, Natalie, please. I had some berries. I had some tea with my husband, and uh, that's about it. Yeah, I had a big bowl of berries. I I love it to look like Skittles. So <laughs> <laughs> I like a colorful bowl for breakfast. You know, excellent.